Welcome to the 232 Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Carl. This podcast is about books, reading, and the meaning of life. Today we unpack another book because you know what they say. Too many books. Too little time. We just sell small rectangular objects. They're called books. Ever heard of crocodile crossing those? Well, they conceal information like that in books. Well, it's about time you got your head out of those books and paid attention to more important things. Welcome to episode seven of the 232 podcast. Carl, welcome back. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to this one. This is a doozy. So today we are exploring a book called Small is Beautiful. We are sitting here with a very eloquent, old looking book that Carl owns, um, obviously called Small is Beautiful. And I'd like you to read... Something very special at the front of the book, Carl. All right. Well, Sean grabbed one off my bookcase that has uh, one of my old-fashioned book plate labels, and I forgot I even had these. These are just sticky labels I used to put in my books, so when I lent my books to people, uh, they would know it was mine. And, and these were given to me by my grandma, and they say, I enjoy sharing my books as I do my friends, asking only that you treat them well and see them safely home. Isn't it? I, I forgot I even had these. This is, um, so this is a 1989 copy yes the book came out in 73 but i think i bought this in 1990 and it's still got the um the price tag in the back saying i paid 25.95 for it from scorpio books good old scorpio which is a place we, we both love it's a uh, christchurch institution yeah your grandma yeah oh well my grandma yeah. loved books right so yeah. my grandma loved books my mum loved books my whole family loved books what's really interesting though is you know now when i lend books to people i don't need to use a book label i just get them to hold it up and take a photo of them with the book on my phone the guy i probably should have done now you i've should. noticed a couple of books have wandered right <laughs> well the other thing i've mm. seriously thought about doing is paying a student one summer to come in and scan all the barcodes yes you know there's an app you can get for a phone, you mm. scan barcodes, and it populates a, a database about yeah. what's in your life. Well, maybe I'll come and do that. <laughs> there we go. Anyway. So it's called an ex libris, it, isn't it, in, it, in Latin? It is, yeah. ex libris, absolutely. Yeah. Which is a, yes. And I've seen some great stuff where people get a book, write their name on it, and ask people to pass it on, and then, and and then the names get names recorded. Yeah, 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 which is quite a yeah. cool way. This is in remarkable condition, given it's, you know, God, what? I was a little bit worried about how remarkable it was. You thought the pages might fall out. Well, no, I thought it might damage this book. But this is 42 years old. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's yeah. making me feel old. So it's slightly brown and yeah. tinged, and it's it's great. Gaston, may I have my book, please? Small is beautiful, E.F. Schumacher. Um, Economics as if people mattered. Now, you made the point mm. when you read, because you chose this, right? And you made the point uh, in many ways how sad is it that, you could put this book out today in 2022. And we can come back and talk about the book. Yeah. The argument, economics as though people mattered. Mm. Um, a lot of these ideas are still just and, as pertinent And we now. will go into another economics book that's more modern. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. you'll see that. So yeah. so today's um, episode, let's start with Schumacher himself. I should have got his first names. Ernest Friedrich. There you go. Yeah. So German-born, mm -hmm. and I've, they've labelled him British in any was in New York. So he well, lived... he was hmm. a Rhodes Scholar. Hmm. So this is really interesting, right? So um, obviously a very bright 
student came to Oxford on a Rhodes Scholarship and then went to Columbia. Yeah. So yeah. He's, he's been into the important, well, you know, like influential parts of the world, 1911 to 1977. Yeah. So this book was written in 1973 towards absolutely. the end of his yeah. years in but, some respect. Well, yeah. absolutely. In fact, we'll come back to that in a minute because after this he wrote a book that I also love called A Guide for the that's, Perplexed. That's right. And yeah. uh, he died shortly after writing that. Mm. I think he died young, like in his mid-60s. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. 66. Yeah. So. Well, here's the other fact about him if you're doing the facts that will blow your mind. His sister married Werner Heisenberg. Okay. Imagine being at those family conversations, yeah. table <laughs> conversations. So I found some interesting things. Yeah. He he came back to England in World War Two as an intern on farms, as an enemy alien, right? Given he was German, right? And was recognised by John Maynard Keynes. So he started to hang out, and Keynes thought he was a very smart, um, you know, thinker. Yeah. And he also hung out with Leopold Kor, yes. who's who's a very um, influential economist, social thinker. And then the coal board, <laughs> which then, I found fascinating. And then the coal board, that's the bit, right? That is the irony. We'll yes. get into this book in a minute. But given that he's talking about the way that capitalism is ravaging the planet, you know, he made He worked living, for the British coal board for he, 20 years. As their, nation, as their chief economic advisor. Advisor. Yeah. Mm. I hope he was telling them, get out of coal. Well, the interesting <laughs> thing was they, they employed 800,000 people mm. at this time. And they were talking about coal as a succession from oil, yes, which, yeah. <laughs> which is just <laughs> astonishing. But then, yeah. you know, he's obviously travelled. He's been very influenced by his time in Absolute, the eastern yeah. countries. And and then his thinking, you know, kind of ended up in a th- foundation and his yes. future work yeah. and that type of thing in his books. So this book is... Um, one of the top one. It was one of the top one hundred influential. This is the Times. Was it the Times Higher or the Times Literary Supplement? Yeah, nineteen ninety-five. Yeah, not yeah. back in ninety-five. So a vote. Yeah, yes. and, it, and it was the top one of the top hundred most influential books of the twentieth century. Mm. And you, look, I mean, there was a time when everybody was reading it. Mm. Um, you know, back in the back in the seventies. And it's interesting because this this eighties version that I've got has got a guy called Theodore Rozak doing the introduction to the eighty uh, nine. Yes. And he was a huge thinker. Yeah. So he wrote um he wrote the book about the counterculture in the sixties and about how the counterculture was an environmental movement. Mm. So he's a he he's also worth reading, but you know, back in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. So in that time, that age of the seventies there's so much happened. Um, you know, uh, uh, you just described this as philosophy, economics, and environmentalism bumping into each other. Yeah, and, and, and in yeah. 2022, that's not such a big deal, right? No, we, we see lots of people playing across those disciplines. But at the time, it was you know it was staggering. Mm. Um, I mean, a lot of this book is really him talking back to mainstream economics that was obsessed with bigger is better and yeah. capitalism and technology will fix everything, right? What does this sound like? <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is the thing yeah. in terms that it hasn't really dated. So the idea that, uh, you know, the, and again, this thinking is not new, but at that time there was a lot going on. The Club of Rome report, the oil crisis yeah. that followed. Absolutely, totally, totally. All these things yeah. where there was this realisation that we can't, just grow economics, technological yeah. production, and recklessly, Absolutely. you know, ruin well, natural yeah. capital. And so that's the thing, right? That so type of the thing, notion yeah. of small is beautiful, which we all know, mm. and we, we forget that somebody had to come up with that expression, is a direct response to the notion that bigger is better. Mm. In a world of bigger is better, Schumacher came along and said, no, 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 small is beautiful. Mm. Right? And, and profoundly influenced by his work, 
uh, in the East. In fact, so we should say the book, um, it's a brilliant, brilliant book, but it's not the easiest thing in the world to read. No. And part of that is it's a collection of essays, right? Yeah, that's, it's weird. I, I don't think I realised it was a collection of essays until after right. the fact, and, and that doesn't help, but then... You know, even each of the essays themselves can be... <laughs> well, it's funny because yeah, if you'd said to me, well, if, you know, if I was giving it to my students, I would say, you just need to read Buddhist Economics, mm. which is an essay in the book, but it was an essay that stood on its own before the That's book. right. I think it came out maybe even in maybe the late 60s or yeah. early 70s, and yeah. that captures all those ideas. And that's maybe the problem, is that each chapter's ability to stand on its own two feet. Books, books. I need my books. So... What's the key? Let's dive into the key. Oh, my God. You know, some of the yeah. really big thinking in this. Um, I mean, there's so much well, that's well, been written about well, this. Well, yeah. you know, the, uh, you'll, you'll have your summary, but the summary is, you know, the, the, convi- the traditional economic system in the West is ravishing the planet and our well-being. Mm. Again, you know, how, how pertinent is that in 2022? <laughs> that's right. The economic system is ravaging the human spirit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we said it here. Yeah. Um, you know, infinite um, GDP growth. Yeah. You know, GDP measures production. He yeah. he makes them. I, I I picked up on a really interesting thing, where uh, a little anecdote, and he has these he has these beautiful little examples. You know, like he's writing like he's not talking to a group of economists. Right. And and he talked about that if you make a very expensive car, then that counts to GDP, yeah. but consumption of that car doesn't count. So you end up um, with potentially making a really expensive car, but the person who is wealthy, who drives that expensive car, sees this as a standard of high living. Yes. And he starts calling yeah. out these very interesting contradictions. And, and the fact that he drives the car has no measurement. Like who drives the car doesn't matter. Yeah. The fact that the car was made goes into GDP. And that's, you know, like these little arguments about um, that, you know, the car is something to get you from A to B. So do we measure success yeah. by that? No, we just measure that we made a car. And, and but, th- that's, but think about what yeah. must have gone on for him, right? Because he grew up in an economics tradition. Very much you know, so. And an economics mm. tradition would have said, you know, anything that this adds, to, yep. adds to aggregate GDP has to be good. You know, the world's getting wealthier. And the world absolutely is getting wealthier. But are people happier? Mm. And is the planet better off? Mm. You know, and, actually, and is everyone getting wealthier? Yeah, well, there's that. Yes, so there's yeah. the issue of equity, of course. Yes. But, so. you know, for me, and not as an economist, you know, I see the book as being a treatise on how humanity lives in the world mm. and how we use economics to justify a particular way of engaging with the world and engaging mm. with each other. Mm. And he's basically saying, hang on, that's madness. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. Say it quite like that, but you know, the thing's mad. Um, I think he would have said that's madness if he really, you know, yeah. wandered into it. I'm sorry, excuse me, did I just see you smell that book? Some great stuff around complex decision making and how it's art and science together, and and that that notion of there's so much complexity in the issues that he's discussing that we need to be, you know, not just thinking that a formula yeah, answers perfect. everything yeah. in but the again, way that. But this yeah, fits perfectly this with, 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 again, with the Eastern it? view, right? You know, if mm. you think about the West as being a tradition of kind of reductionism and kind of binaries, I mean that's. That's a that's a gross kind of generalization, but certainly there's been a thrust in Western mm. science and Western economics that way. Yes. And then if you think about something which is far more holistic, mm. you know, and is far more modest, and thinking about 
you know, longer term, absolutely, you know, yeah. outcomes yeah. that type of yeah. thinking. Yeah, mm. yeah, the, uh, yeah. He doesn't talk about this, of course. Christian Eric does, but the notion of colonizing the future is very much mm. in, in this book. I mm. mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, I think if he had lived, he'd be horrified to see how corporate brands kind of grabbed his message mm. and used it as a point of difference. Mm. Um, and I think he'd be shocked to see, uh, you know, how we've doubled down on everything that. He mm. thought was going wrong. Mm. <laughs> and, and like you say, we're sitting here with a book that's 40 years old. <laughs> and I mean, I love, I love his optimism. You know, that's the thing I love about, you know, like he, he, he is optimistic about yeah. things will get better. And he's talking about, he's, yeah, he, yeah, that's right. And the premise of the book is really, he's talking about it like, Hey, I'm just letting you know, but I do believe there's another way. Yeah. Always there's another way, isn't there? And here's some things that we can explore. Well, so I've, I've written down three points. I think there are three main points that, that run throughout the book, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when you say them, they sound so obvious. It's almost like you shouldn't have to say them until you reflect on the extent to which they are really embedded in mm. everyday narratives, right? I think the first point he makes is uh, economic growth should not be the central concern of politics, mm. right? <laughs> Secondly, that there are resource constraints on economic growth, mm -hmm. you know, go yep. figure, and three, materialism will not make us happy. Mm. I mean, Which has been proven. All of those things have been proven, and yet we live in a world, you know. Where the constant narrative is of those three oh things. God. Yeah. I know, right? So the great example, I know you'll have more on this, you know, this this idea that technology is there to lighten the burden of work. Yeah. I, I found this fascinating because you keep bringing yourself back into that time where the book is written in the early 70s. So so the internet is not even like yeah. it, it, within conception. And he's talking about technology and the fact that this is machines helping us to do work. But the, but the amount of leisure time is actually inversely proportional Absolute. to the amount of technology employed. So yes. we, you know, in yes. West, again, in yes. Western countries, yes. we've employed at this time even just machinery. Yeah. And it's meant to make our life easier and we have less time. Yeah. Well, there's two things there, right? The other part of that is there was, um, there was um, huge concern that uh, technology was going to advance so fast and become so productive mm. that we'd all have more time on our hands than we knew what to do with. This is called the leisure crisis. Mm. And people were saying, you know, hey, by the middle of the 21st century, no one's going to have anything to do. Or 23, I think. Or whatever it was, right? Yeah, but what we've done instead is we've taken those productivity gains and just bought more stuff with it, mm. right? You know, and back to his and point. And still more obsessed, you know, obsessed with more productivity. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> right? We're working as, you know, and, and in many regards, the economists were right. Like, the world's more affluent now than it's ever been. We are, you know, we've created mm. untold riches. Again, mm. you know, asterisks around distribution and equity, but the world has created untold mm. riches at a huge cost mm. in terms of the human spirit and the natural environment, right? Mm. And now, you know, and now, of course, the, it looks like the place is going to burn to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> We shouldn't, right. Sean, we shouldn't be laughing about that. We shouldn't be, but the the, the irony, the irony when we're talking yeah. about a nineteen seventies book. Um, yeah. I I it was very clear his yeah. I, there were a couple of things that I loved about. Um, he he basically blatantly says that governments are neither entrepreneurs or innovators. Absolutely, and I was like, yeah. well, yes, yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, but this idea yeah. of um, given he's worked in the developmental context a lot of the time, you know, calling out the fact that so often inappropriate solutions Absolutely. are dropped into yeah. other things but this idea of starting 
to work across public private community and things like that which i'm yeah, I've done a lot of thinking yes, about. Yeah, yeah, still a challenge that yeah. we have um, is really great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, again, you know, like he was writing at a time when we thought we understood development. Mm. We, think about all the all all the hubris in that statement. We yes. thought we understood development, right? Yeah. Like it's something we do to somebody That's else. That's again, yeah. and, and you know, he was basically saying we we need to rethink this. And and I think that is one aspect that we we have. You know, think about microfinancing and mm. and all of that stuff. Um, but maybe that's the real point, right? Maybe the real point is he's saying um, mainstream economics was an arrogance, and that arrogance overlooked the complexity of the world and, is, mm. you know, it led mm. to tragedy. Mm. I mean, the notion of small is beautiful, I love, but, of course, the quote that everybody points to is the one that says, any intelligent fool can make things bigger, more complex, and more violent. It takes a touch of genius and a lot of courage to move in the opposite direction. Mm, I love that, yes. right? You could just live more simply, right? It's very Buddhist. You can see yes. why I use the word Buddhist. Yeah. Um, I just think it's brilliant. And it's informed by, you know, and, and again, sp- thinking of the time, you know, he's almost foretold the challenges of large organizations yeah. and, and he wouldn't even conceive the, the, the size of organizations that we have operating globally now when you look at the, you know, the top 10. Absolutely. You yeah. know. Um, oh my God. The, the Googles yeah. of the world and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Centralization. Again, you know, like this flip flop of centralization, decentralization as paradigms that people are either like, we need to centralize more, or we need to decentralize more, or government needs to do more, or government needs but to. But it goes back to the mm. Berkman book that we looked at, 4,000 Weeks. Like in, the, in 4,000 mm. Weeks, Berkman says, What are you going to do with all the time you're saving through being so productive? Mm. All your productivity hacks, what are you doing with that time? Mm. I think Schumacher is saying, We've got economics running. What are we going to do with all the wealth? Mm. You know, what are we doing with it? Because it just seems like it's eating itself. Mm. You know, all that machinery. And also, these are not binary no. principles, are they? None of these are right or wrong. There's benefits and disbenefits, yeah. and you actually need both, and that's the challenge of Well, the that's the challenge, right? Um, he mm. also says another quote that I love. Um, this one should go on the wall. Wisdom demands a new orientation of science and technology toward the organic, the gentle, the elegant, and the beautiful. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? What is this obsession people have with books? I think we were in strong agreement that this is a really important book. Yeah. Yeah. Go but. On. <laughs> well, I was thinking about this, right? I was mm. thinking about this on an airplane last week. We might need to change our, our ranking. Well, Because, yes. you know, in primary school, I don't yes. know if this is still the case. When I was in primary school, you got two grades, one for effort and one for achievement. Ah. You know, we might need a ranking system between how important do we think the book is mm. and something about how much did you enjoy the reading experience. Yeah. Because we both said this is a – This, this is, was important. It's important, but it's a – But the reading best. experience. Yeah. You didn't – because you, you started and you didn't like it to begin with. Oh, it was, it was heavy going. It was <laughs> right. one of these books where I've got uh, – you know, obviously we needed to get through it because yeah. we wanted to talk yeah. about this book. And, and it's one that I've, I've – yeah. for some reason I haven't – read we haven't read a lot in this area um but it's a heavy read and i i've put that i needed to be in the mood so yeah. i did have to yeah. start to be very deliberate yes. about going okay i'm gonna read small is beautiful yeah. you know i've got to be it's how, this is not just before this? bed how about this it's a great book but it's not a good book mm. yeah mm. i actually think um I think if you're interested in Schumacher, um, you should read A Guide for the Perplexed, mm. which came out 
which is the last thing he yeah. wrote, right, in 77. I think A Guide for the Perplexed is a much easier read. It's much more coherent. And, it, and was it, that a full book? It is a full yes. book, and it presents the same kind of challenges. It's not a collection of essays. Yeah. Because um, the bit we didn't talk about was he was writing as, an, as a journalist while he was an economist. Mm. He wrote for the Times. He wrote for the mm, Economist. So obviously yeah. he can write. Yeah. Yeah, because you wouldn't So there's a huge it. difference between writing articles, right, mm. a collection of articles, mm. a collection of essays, and a whole book-length Mm. thing that, that carries the reader from the beginning. And we've danced around this a little bit in our in our summaries of books, but yeah. I think there's this whole, you know, the onus on the author to be able to get these concepts across, especially when you're talking about a te- technical area, yeah. potentially like economics and yeah. things like this. So, but, yeah. yeah, look, let's not, but you don't want to characterise it as a book about economics because it's no. about much more than economics. It's, a, it's very philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's that great line in it, right, um, that says, if you don't know Shakespeare, you don't know life. Mm. No? Mm. Like, how often do you expect an economist to tell you to go and read Shakespeare? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a different guy. He was yeah. a completely different guy. So, really important book. The thinking still stands up today, and and actually you have to keep pinching yourself, as I've said a couple of times yeah. in our discussion. You keep going, 1974. Yeah. Like, this is almost foretold a whole lot of stuff that's got a lot worse at a scale that I don't even think he would comprehend. Yeah. And no one, no one at that time, in some extent, would comprehend, but it's a repeated story. So that's very sobering. And very influential. But it is. And another day it'd be worth to try and unpack why is that the case? Like, how is it possible, right? Mm. You know, how is it possible that um, what were the interests that were lining up? Well, I think that's, that's <laughs> probably the nub of the issue, isn't it, is yeah. the interest. But, but uh, absolutely. Um, right. Yeah. So, okay. classic moment in time oh, in our podcast. Yes. Yeah. Rating. Time. Is, it, is it just one number? It's rating time. Oh. You want to play with a dual rating? No, but I mean, I, look, I, I, look, go back to what I just said. It's a great book. I don't think it's, it's a fantastic good, book. It's not a good book. I think you have to read it. But I'm I'm down at a seven. Yeah, I was going to go lower, oh, to wow. be honest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we maybe we'll meet halfway and say six and a half. Okay. Mm. Yeah. But but somebody once said to me, and I, this is a long time ago, Life's too short to read good books. You should only read great books. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and some of those books you're going to have to work at, particularly as you go back in time, right? Yeah. Um, you're going to have to work at some of those books, but it will be worth it. Mm. Um, and well, I'm glad I read the book. I, I, I think it's an absolute yeah. must read. Mm. Yeah. Although, having said that, there is a famous quote that says, you know, a great book is a book that nobody wants to read and everybody wants to have read. Oh. <laughs> So, so it definitely falls into great book yeah, territory. Absolutely. But no, I mean, look, as we said, absolutely. Um, it's a great book. Um, these ideas, But the, here's the difference, though. If you'd read this book in the 70s, you'd have thought, wow. Wow. And you read it now and you think, shame. Yes. <laughs> Don't you? Mm. Yeah. And maybe that's what's sitting behind this a little bit. Mm. So excellent. All right. Well, let's wrap up another okay. episode. Small is beautiful. Economics as if people mattered. Imagine that. Imagine that. Mr. Schumacher from the (laughs) 70s. And we'll be back with another one in the near future. Thank you very much, Carl. Cheers, Sean. That was great. Thank you for listening to the 232 podcast. We'll be back soon with another book, unpacked, distilled and unhinged. But until then, stop, stop, read and and repeat. Read them? Yeah. What do you need them for? <laughs> no, they're bull-